Thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness, thank you, Lord. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. I want us to look at the book of Hebrews, then the book of Proverbs a little later, and I'll have several scriptures for you today as we think about a very important subject. The Lord's Discipline. The Lord's Discipline. It's not preached about too often. Should be, should be preached more often because it's very, very important. You'll see that today. Please allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll look at verses 5 through 11. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he scourges every son whom he receives. You need to underline that. The Lord scourges chastens, disciplines every son that he receives. That's neutral gender, men and women who receive him, boys and girls that receive him. They're disciplined by the Lord at some time. You'll see why. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Or discipline. But if you are without chastisement, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much? readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live, underline live. For they indeed for a few days chasten us, discipline us, that seem best to them, but He, capital H-E, He, for our profit. God disciplines you and me, those that belong to Him, for our profit. What is it? That we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to worship you and now to Open your word. I pray that you'll give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. Allow the Holy Spirit, Father, to roam free from chair to chair, from person to person. And teach us today. Let him be our teacher. Let him be our guide. As we look at this very important subject on discipline, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's discipline. If anyone knows about the discipline of the Lord, I do. I've experienced it several times. 
from time to time as believers were tempted by the devil for whatever reason to walk away from the Lord. For whatever reason, just to be not as close to the Lord as we should be. And I believe the devil has used this worldwide pandemic to tempt the people of God and to give them an excuse to walk away from their Lord and their their spiritual obligations and their spiritual commitments. And you see it more and more and more every day. I talked to one of our members this week and I said, we're really missing you at church. And I said, uh, when you coming back, I don't know. I know I need to be there. No, I need to be there, but just get up late on Sunday. And at 11 o'clock, I'm thinking, we need to be in church. But we watch, we watch two or three on TV. So the question is, what happens if a person who professes to be a Christian and continues in sin what happens what happens do they lose their salvation no how can you how can you lose eternal life how can you lose everlasting life you can't even define the words and say you can lose your salvation can you lose your salvation? No. But God loves us so much that when we sin, He comes and He talks to us about it. There's not a Christian here today who has been out of the will of God when God did not come and speak to you about it. Not a one. He'll speak through a sermon. He'll speak, to a, he'll, he'll speak through a friend. He'll speak through His Word. He'll speak through the Holy Spirit. He'll speak through a song. He'll speak to just a a natural conversation between you and another friend. Doesn't it, 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 at times though, let me say this, at times, words don't work. And then he disciplines us. Years ago, and it is years ago, I'm dating myself, I'm dating Kyle. We didn't have all the electronic games you have today that people or teenagers stayed glued to. Back then, it was just Nintendo. And I remember I would say to Kyle, put up your Nintendo game. And he'd say, in a minute. I'd say, okay, in a minute. So put up your Nintendo. Put up your Nintendo game. And um, after a while, words didn't work. And I had to to resort to some other type of discipline. The root word for discipline is to teach. The point is, the Lord loves you and loves me too much to allow us to live in sin without teaching us not to. Um, The chastisement and the discipline, the correction is our teaching from God. Friend, the most miserable person here today or viewing this worship service is not the lost person. The most miserable person here and and wherever they're viewing this service is the person, the believer, who is out of the will of God. If you're here today and out of God's will, 
you just made yourself come to church today because God's spoken to you and you're in direct rebellion against God and you think he's going to sit around and let you continue that foolishness? You'll see. Some of you that are here, others viewing, have walked away from God. And you need to repent, and you need to come back, not just to church, but to God. So the question is, the big question is, so what happens when a Christian who is in sin refuses to repent? Well, we walk into the discipline of God. Perhaps some of you like to walk on the very edge of God's will. You wonder just, how close can I get to the edge of God's will without stepping over into direct rebellion? In other words, how, how, much, how much alcohol can I drink before it's sin? How much gambling can I do before it's sin? How, much, how, how often can I curse before it becomes sin? What about the immorality that I'm in right now? How long does that have to go on before it becomes sin? What about the gossip? What about the slander? Is that really sin? How much can I do before I step out of God's will and step into direct rebellion against God? But that shouldn't be the question for Christians. The, the question for Christians should not be how much can I sin without being in direct, terrible, wrathful disobedience to God, but the question should be, Lord, how can I please you more? Lord, how can I be in your will more and more every day? My grandmother, Brenda Parker's grandmother, she had this old pot-bellied stove in her, her living room, and I think I've shared this illustration. It's a good illustration. And... Um, that thing would get red hot on top. And, and so I would, I'd spit on that stove. <laughs> I'd like to see it bubble. I'd spit on it, bubble and disappear and spit on it. She said, don't you touch that stove. <laughs> and I kept watching that and kept watching that. You know what I did? I touched that stove. I touched it. <laughs> Listen, don't touch it. You're going to get burned. That's what she said. And I touched it. Now here's a news alert. Some of you are about to be burned because you've walked away from your God and you're serving false gods. And you know it and God knows it. So this sermon, really, listen up. This sermon could mean life or death to someone. So listen real close. First of all, if you're taking notes, there's the reality of discipline. We find that in verse 5 and 6, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Have you not forgotten the exhortation who speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For when the, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges everyone whom he receives. He disciplines, same word, reprove. Some translations use correct. Some translations use uh, uh, 
uh, chastisement. I believe the New King James does. The, I mean, the King James does, but the New King James, it does too, I believe. So I suggest to you this morning the fact that God is a disciplined God. You cannot read Hebrews 12 and come away without realizing that God is a disciplined God to those who belong to Him. Now that's important. Remember David and Bathsheba? They had this thing going, and they had this secret affair. They thought it was secret, but God knew about it. And David thought that he could fix it. He thought he could take Bathsheba's husband Uriah and send him off the battle and he'd be killed and, uh, and that he'd be killed at battle and no one would know that the child she was carrying was David's. They would think it was all the time it would be Uriah's. He was going to fix it. Make a note. You don't fix sin. You repent of sin. So the question is, did God discipline David? Well, Psalm chapter 18. Psalm, I'm sorry, 118. 118 verse 17 and 18. Listen to this. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. The Lord has chastened me. He's He's disciplined me, but he, he hasn't given me over to death. He hasn't killed me. That was God's grace to David. So David was spanked by God because he had sinned. He, he chastised him. He disciplined him. Years ago, I read an illustration talked about an American who went to Syria to study the life of a shepherd. And early one morning, he noticed the shepherd was taking food to a sheep that had a broken leg. And the American thought, well, maybe that sheep stepped into a hole. The shepherd said, no. He said, well, I wonder if the sheep, perhaps, if it didn't step in a hole, maybe a wild animal attacked that sheep. He said, no. He said, well, maybe he got caught in an animal trap. He said, no. Well, what happened to that little sheep? And the shepherd said this. The shepherd says, this was a wayward sheep. It wouldn't stay when I would tell it to stay. It wouldn't come when I'd tell it to come. It wouldn't follow me as the shepherd when I'd tell it to follow me and lead the others. It just led others astray. And so I had to break its leg to feed it. And now it'll know me as a shepherd. There's a reality of discipline. The reality of discipline. But notice, secondly, you got the relationship of God's discipline. Verses 7 through 11. I won't take the time to read that, but call your attention to it. God is the creator of everything. God is the creator of everyone. But he is the father of those who have received his Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior of their lives. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 12, As many as received Him, Jesus, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. God is the Creator of everyone, but He's not the Father of everyone. This thing about the fatherhood of God... 
and the brotherhood of mankind over the earth. There's nothing to that. God has his children, and the Bible declares the devil has his children. And so, God is going to discipline those who are his children. And if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, as it is in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you've placed your faith and trust in him, then you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you will be disciplined when you walk away from God. And when you get saved, you not only receive eternal life, you not only receive heaven, you not only receive forgiveness of sin, you not only uh, receive the, uh, the removal of sin and the removal of guilt, but you have also received the discipline of God. That comes with it. So the question is, why does God discipline you? Because He loves you too much not to. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastising, or which all have become partakers, then you're an illegitimate and son, uh, you're illegitimate and not sons. King James says you're a bastard. And you're truly not a son of God. If you're not experiencing discipline, when you walk away from God. So you can say, well, I can do what I want to, or I've been doing what I want to, and nothing's ever happened to me. You have got a serious spiritual problem. He disciplines everyone that belongs to him. So if you're not loving, discipline's coming. I remember years ago before the other previous building was built. We were in the little small church building, standing on the front steps that afternoon. And I'd have church members going to the lake. They'd blow their horn and wave. And I'd wave back. And I'd say, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The reality of discipline. The relationship of discipline. All that belonged to him. And then what's the response to it? And I've got to close. What do you do when God disciplines you? Verse 9 says, well, you respect him. Verse 9 says, furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall not much more readily be subjection to the Father of spirits and live? You paid your father respect. Should you not pay the God of the universe who saved you through His Son, Jesus Christ, should you not pay Him respect and live? There's a subliminal message in that verse, and live. So you have the response. First of all, you respect. Now let me just throw this in. Parents, if you don't discipline your children, they're not going to respect you. They're not. If God didn't discipline his children, his children wouldn't respect him. If you don't discipline your children, they're not going to respect you. If your child is popping off and sassing, my mother used to call it sassing. She was a school teacher. She could paddle. But she paddled at school. She used to switch at home. 
But if you have a child popping off and sassing, it could be that you're not disciplined biblically. So when discipline, when God disciplines us as a believer, we should respect him. And we will when that discipline comes. Second thing, we ought to submit to him. Verse 9 and 10. What does that mean, Brother Sammy? Just do what he says do. You obey his commandments. You obey his precepts. You obey what he tells you to do. You say, well, I don't know what they are in the Bible. Obey the ones you read. Obey them. Do what he says. And so you have the reality of discipline, the relationship of discipline, and the response of discipline. And I'm going to close with this. The result of discipline. Now, you may have been given a little handout. If you didn't, it'll be on the board. We want, this is very important. You need to tuck this away in the Bible for you to share with somebody else later on who asks you, well, what about all those hypocrites down there at Mountain View Baptist Church? I'm just as good as they are. Then you can talk to them about the Lord's discipline. Let's look at this together. The result of discipline. So first of all, if we repent, we can return to the will of God. Now, if you'll notice, I believe I've got one here. I've got a pointer. Here it is. Now, you have the will of God. We're to be, we're to be, we're going to start there. We're in the will of God. We, that is the place that we want to be, the will of God. If we repent, we can return to the will of God. You and I need to be in the center of God's will. Look at Psalm 119. Just, it's, you've got it there. You can look at it later. Psalm 119, verse 67. The psalmist said this, Before I was afflicted, that means disciplined, that means corrected, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You know what happens when we're disciplined? We return to the will of God. We go back to the will of God. Lord, before you spanked me, before you afflicted me, I went astray, but now I'm in your will. And so the second result of discipline, if we continue to rebel... God disciplines us, and we don't want to return to His will. We'll walk right into the woodshed of God. You see it there on your form? You walk from the will of God, and you walk straight into the woodshed of God. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. Jot that in the woodshed. God begins to discipline you. You're in the woodshed. You say, Brother Sam, what's a woodshed? Well, back in the day, I'm talking about Jerome's day. And maybe Brother, Os maybe Brother Otis's day. Terry's day. <laughs> they had the woodshed. And when your parents were going to discipline, they carried you out to the woodshed. And they had a hickory or they had a belt and they disciplined you. So what's the woodshed? That's the place of discipline. So you're in God's will, you walk out of God's will, and there to meet you is the woodshed of God, and God begins that discipline process. You following? Corporal punishment is what we received. You didn't get time out. <laughs> you didn't have your phone taken away. Your privilege of your phone. 
you didn't have your internet privileges taken away. You were biblically disciplined in the woodshed, a place of discipline. And so notice, I'm in the will of God. I become sick of the joy and the peace of the Lord, and I decide, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to go, when I want to go. I'm going to miss church. When, if I want to miss church, nobody's there to make me, miss church, or make me go to church anymore. I'm my own boss now. You ever heard that? I ain't going to make my kids go to church. Really? Check your kids out. I'm in the will of God. I get sick of all this joy and peace of the Lord, and I decide I'm just going to go and be a prodigal. So I step out of the will of God. I step into the woodshed, and there's God waiting for me. Hebrews 12, verse 10. Is he a forgiving God? Sure, he's a forgiving God. What does he want us to do? He wants us to forgive. God wants us to be partakers of his holiness. Go back. Go back to my will. Go back to my will. However, sometimes we just bow up. God speaks to us and we say, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I like it like it is. I like where I'm going. I like what I'm doing. I like who I'm associating with. God, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. So we just bow up. I used to do that with my mama. Mother would drone you, my mom. My mother would, my mother would spank me and she would, she would uh, use uh, Brenda. Don't, Brenda's my first cousin. Don't you say nothing, or I'll tell something on you. But you know, when she got through, you know what I'd say? That didn't hurt. That didn't hurt one bit. She gets so fuming mad, and she she said, "Well, you made me hurt my hand. I've spanked you so hard." I said, "That didn't hurt me." You know what people are doing today as believers? They're being disciplined by God. And they're bowing up on God, and they'll say, God, regardless, I'm not going to be what you've told me to be. That's what's happening. I'm not going to be faithful. I'm not going to serve in the church. I'm not going to give to the church. I'm going to go because he or she wants me to go. I'm just going because of that. So what's the result? If we repent, we return to the will of God. If we continue in sin, we walk into that woodshed of God, and if we remain rebellious in that woodshed, we will experience the wrath of God. I left the will of God. I go to the edge of the woodshed. No one of those two things happened. I mean, I, I mean, really, one of, one of those two things will happen. I left the will of God. I go to the edge of the woodshed of God. I either repent and go back to the will of God, or I rebel and stay out there. Have you figured out where you are yet? Are you in the will of God? Are you in the woodshed of God? And have you been there so long, you're just pretty close to the wrath of God? And God says, stop all along. He said, stop. Get out of the woodshed. Stop. Ask me to forgive you. Repent. Turn. Go back to the will of God. Go back to my will. Repent. Repent. And you go off to the edge of the wrath of God. You know what that means? Turn to Proverbs 15.10. Proverbs 15.10, and we're about to close. 
Proverbs 15.10 says this, Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will, what? Die. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. I think we might have dealt with this chapter recently. 1 John chapter 5. We want to look at uh, verse 16 and 17. He says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he'll ask and he'll give him life for those who commit the sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. There's a sin that God says, that's it. That's it. And I do not say that he should pray about that. You can have a prayer chain going up for you. You can call everybody. You can take medicine. You can go to a counselor. You can have hands laid upon you. But to all of no avail, you must repent. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, says this. The children of Israel. Moses said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all of His statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Wouldn't it be terrible to be sick and be out of the will of the Lord and pray and ask God to heal you? That is nothing more than supernatural ignorance to walk in rebellion against God and at the same time ask Him to heal you. I'm not saying that if you're sick, you've got sin. It's not what I said. The point is, if you have sin in your life and you refuse to repent, God's going to discipline you. So today, God is saying to the youth that are here, God is saying to the adults that are here, repent. Where are you today? Are you in the will of God? Are you in the woodshed of God? Are you just almost ready to step off into the wrath of God? Let me close with this. I done said that once, but if you're sinning and that's not bothering you, then you're not saved. If you are living in sin, and that don't bother you, then you're not saved. I had a person call me this week and say, what does this verse mean? Well, the verse is 1 John 3, verse 5 and 9. If you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin, 
whoever abides in him does not sin. Now, when you do the Greek study in this on the word study, it's not saying that you'll never sin. What he's saying in that verse is you won't continue in sin. Whoever abides in him does not continue in sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him. Whoever continues in sin has never seen him nor knows him. doesn't say that you don't sin. Same of the same book says, if you say that you don't sin, then you're a liar. But this is saying, if you continue in sin, you've neither, you, you are neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For the purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born, or whoever has been born of God does not sin, meaning does not continue in sin, for his seed, God's seed, remains in him, and he cannot sin. He cannot continue to live in sin because he has been born of God. So if you're sinning and you're comfortable with all that and you know that you're going direct against God's will, then you're, you're not saved. You won't continue in sin. So you have the reality of discipline, the relationship of discipline, the response to discipline, and the results to discipline. God's main fact is a disciplined God. So if you're out here out of the will of God and you are a believer, expect the discipline. If you don't receive discipline, you got a major problem. He disciplines all that he receives. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to, to discuss the doctrine of godly discipline. Help us, we pray, to examine our hearts today. Wherever we may be, hopefully we're in your will. If we just stepped out into that woodshed, help us, Lord, to repent and turn and ask you to forgive us of whatever we're doing, walking away from you and your righteousness. You're going to discipline us because you love us. We belong to you, and you're trying to bring us back into your holiness, your righteousness. Thank you for loving us enough to do that. I pray for every person here. I pray today as we leave this place, we can say, as far as I know today, I'm in the will of God. I came in not in His will. I'm leaving in His will. In Jesus' name, amen.